0: good morning welcome to the gathering of recreate church I'm so glad that you got up early and defrosted your car to be here my wife this morning said Michael be sure to turn on the car she sounds exactly like that exactly be sure to turn on the car go crank the car I said honey I will I will and like about time to leave, I said, honey, can you, can you go tell one of the kids to crank the car? She said, I told you to crank the car. I said, okay, I'm getting it cranked. Will you send one of the kids? This is how we get the car cranked, yeah. It's that time of year, happens every single year, and we're surprised every time. Oh, my goodness, it's winter time again. Who could have seen this coming? Well, everyone from the history of time, Yeah. It feels like winter lasts a long time. We know it lasts just as long as the other seasons, but it feels like I knew an an old man out in Meadow Zedan that said, in these mountains, there are two seasons, winter and July. (laughs) That's what he said. That's what he said. You know, have you ever noticed how time seems to go faster when you're doing something enjoyable? Like the first 20 minutes of playing Monopoly with your family. And have you ever noticed that time seems to go slower when you're doing something excruciating? Like the last three hours of playing Monopoly with your family. (laughs) Um, It's true that the same quantitative amount of time feels different depending on the situation, depending on our perspective, depending on the the label we put on it in our minds. Uh, When you are waiting in line to buy popcorn at a movie theater... It feels like it takes a long time, but when you go to your seat and you're waiting for the movie to start it, it doesn't feel like a long time. Same amount of time. Probably you're going to spend longer waiting for the movie to start than you did waiting for the popcorn, but you're saying, preacher man, I have popcorn to occupy me now. I understand, but it's the same amount of time. It just feels different. We label it different. Same thing today we're going to talk about a guy who experienced a long delay and it did not feel like anticipation. It just felt like waiting and it was tough. It, it was, it didn't feel like the countdown to something better. It, it just felt like the, the same old situation dragging on and on same old struggles, different day. I think I've heard that phrase before, maybe in a little more colorful Way, you know what I'm talking, same old struggles, different day. Uh, we, can, we can feel that a little bit, can't we? We, we know something about what that's like, um, feeling like we're fighting the same old battles again and again. Uh, we're talking about Joseph from the Old Testament in the Bible. This is Old Testament Joseph, not New Testament Joseph, the, the adoptive father of Jesus. This is the original Joseph, the O.J. Joseph, original Joseph. Joseph okay, I got one smile out of that. I worked on that joke real hard. They got one smile this is the way it is sometimes so we've been following his story. He started out as this son with a bright future and then he was betrayed and sold into slavery, thrown in prison it's it's pretty tough um the last time we saw him, he was helping out a fellow prisoner uh he had been given the gift of interpreting dreams and he interprets a dream for this prisoner and it works out well for him and and this guy he's helped is supposed to put in a good word for him with pharaoh the ruler of the land and it things were supposed to change because joseph did not deserve to be locked up he should have been set free this oj really didn't do it okay three laughs for that that is Tripled the amount. It's just that joke's a little dated. Um, But the man who Joseph helped forgot about him. He was forgotten. He was stuck in prison for two more years. No prospect of getting out. The scriptures don't really tell us what was going on there, which I interpret to mean there was nothing noteworthy going on. It was the same old struggle, different day, day after day. And it didn't look like things were going to get better. We can understand those feelings, can't we? We know what it's like to have some persistent issues that we're always battling, some things that drag on. We don't realize God may have already put a new name on our struggles. God may already be putting things in motion to bring a change. That was the case with Joseph. He did not know it. It looked like just another day, but God had already put things in motion to rename and reshape. His situation. Uh, He was going to be set free and lifted up. We're going to be in Genesis 41. I'll just keep this slide up for now, if you will, because um, most of this, I'm going to tell it like a a story. I think it'll flow better that way. And then we're going to pick up some specific verses that we're going to look closely at. Um, Goes like this. One night, Pharaoh had a dream. Who's Pharaoh? He's the ruler of Egypt. Pharaoh had some weird dreams. This is some crazy Stephen King nonsense dreams. He lays down and he goes to sleep and it starts out kind of normal. He dreams that he's standing by the Nile River. That makes sense because the Nile is the primary geographic feature of Egypt and it is the center of Egyptian life and culture. Everything kind of revolves around the Nile. The Nile is where they get their water and the fertile plain around the Nile is how they grow crops. It's how Egypt really became a prosperous place. So he's standing by the Nile and in his dream, he sees seven cows come up out of the river and these were beautiful cows. Get this, the New King James translation, which is kind of my daily go-to, says these cows were fine-looking and fat. Fine-looking and fat. Which just goes to show you those two things are not mutually exclusive. If there's anybody else in the room besides me feeling a little bit, you know, maybe not so great about the pandemic poundage, biblically speaking, fine-looking and fat go together. So you got that as a bonus, all right? I know about y'all skinny people. Y'all don't understand the struggle. It's okay. Thank you, Billy. (laughs) Billy's got me. All right, man, I appreciate it. So these cows were the best-looking, healthiest, most beautiful bovines the Pharaoh had ever laid eyes on. They came up out of the river, and they grazed in the meadow nearby. Now... That's sweet, right? Dreaming a cow, that's great. This is where the dream takes a creepy turn. Seven more cows come up out of the river, but they ain't pretty. These cows are the ugliest, scroniest, most horrifying, awful cows you can imagine. And get this, they sneak up on the good cows and eat them. The bad cows eat the good cows. I don't know what that, would look like and i'm trying hard not to let my imagination go there but these these cows these in the dream if if it happened in our present time pharaoh might have described these as zombie cows because they're awful looking and they're eating the other cows attack of the zombie cows would you watch that movie I wouldn't. That's a. Ter- that sounds like a terrible movie. Plus, it's too close from home. I grew up on a cow farm, and we currently live in a home that is surrounded by cow pasture on three sides. I'm careful to tell my children, "Don't let the cows lick your hands, because once they get a taste for human flesh, it's over." That can be the tagline for Attack of the Zombie Cows if that movie ever gets made. No, it is. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> as you might expect. This dream kind of disturbed Pharaoh. He woke up after the cows eating the other cows. He woke up, and he was, whew, what was that about? I don't know. I ate something weird before bed. I don't know. This new medication they put me on to give me weird dreams. I don't know. So he does manage to get back to sleep, and he has another dream. Not so weird as cows eating cows, but still weird. He sees a wheat plant sprout up and um, wheat plants, as I understand them, can have several stalks off of the, the same root. Is that, can you confirm that, Farmer James? Thank you, thank you, it's my dad, he knows everything. Um, so I'm just gonna you have him confirm that. So this particular wheat plant had seven stalks, which is a lot, and each one of these stalks had a beautiful head of grain on it, beautiful as can be. I don't know what makes wheat beautiful, this was beautiful, full, healthy looking wheat, seven stalks of it. So if the second dream follows the pattern of the first dream, what do you think's going to happen? Well, here comes seven more stalks of wheat off of the same plant shooting up. But this time it's not beautiful wheat. It is ugly, unhealthy, diseased, blighted, scorched wheat and get this don't know how this works it's a dream so we won't look too deep into the mechanics of it the bad wheat eats up the good wheat weird not as weird as zombie cows but it's pretty weird so Pharaoh wakes up in a cold sweat, and he doesn't know what the dream means. He's sure it means something. He calls for all his wise men and advisors and magicians and scholars and clerics and soothsayers, and he says, this is my dream. What does it mean? But nobody can tell him what it means. And it seems like that's the end of the story. Oh, my goodness, I've had a weird dream. I think it means something, but no one can tell me. It looks like it stops there, but no, there is another person who is in the room listening to these conversations between Pharaoh and his advisors. Someone who is serving him wine, his cupbearer or his butler is in the room. And the butler suddenly remembers something that a couple of years before he had been in prison and he had met somebody who might be able to help Pharaoh. And, uh, I picture him being kind of timid about it because he was actually supposed to have this conversation a long time before he, he, I can imagine him coming up and saying, Hey, um, excuse me, Mr. Uh, Mr. Pharaoh, sir, I don't mean to bother you uh, while you're talking to your advisors. They don't seem to know what they're talking about, but anyway, um, I hate to remind you of this, but uh, maybe you'll remember a couple of years ago, you got upset with me and with the baker as well, the royal baker, and uh, you put us both in prison. By the way, thank you for letting me out. I was totally innocent. I didn't do what they accused me of. You are the best. You're like the best Pharaoh in the whole dynasty, and I'm not just saying that because you could execute me right now, but I'm just saying. Um here here's the deal. We we We're locked up, me and the baker, and we both had strange dreams. There was this young Hebrew man in the prison with us, and we explained our dreams, and he was able to interpret the dreams, and it turns out that he was perfectly right. He predicted that the baker would be executed, and you and your wisdom, Pharaoh, sir, you didn't have him. He was a bag. I never liked the looks of him, you know, and, and he... He didn't put enough icing on the cake, so he, I can't blame you for executing him. And uh, But he predicted I would be set free, and of course you did that because you're so wise, oh, Pharaoh. And here I am free and by your side. And uh, well, I was the thing is, I was supposed to tell you about this young man, Joseph, um, but I, when I got back out, I was so busy being your faithful servant that I, I forgot. And so, well, you, you know how it is. I mean, you don't know how it is because you're Pharaoh. You don't, you don't forget things, but, but anyway, his name is Joseph and he's probably still in prison and maybe he can interpret your dream. So Pharaoh sends for Joseph and they bring him out of the dungeon. They clean him up. They give him a, a shower and they give him uh, a shave and a fresh change of clothes. And he stands before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, I have had strange dreams. No one can tell me what they mean. And I've heard that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph says, well, Pharaoh, you heard wrong. I can't interpret dreams. And you know, Pharaoh is probably looking over at the butler like, hey, man, you remember the execution thing? You remember? Uh, You told me this guy can interpret dreams. Thankfully, Joseph did clarify his statement immediately and he he said, um, what I mean to say, Pharaoh, is I cannot interpret dreams, but God can. If you tell me the dream, God will tell me the interpretation. Remember the heart of the message from last week. Interpretations belong to God. We like to think we can interpret our world, but we don't do a very good job of it. (laughs) The relationships that are most important to us are some of the best evidence because there's constantly misunderstandings between us and the people we love the most and who love us the most. Constant misunderstandings in human communication. It shows us that we need some help in interpreting our lives and interpreting the meanings of things. And why would we rely on our own wisdom? Why would we lean on our own understanding, as the book of Proverbs says, when we can have guidance from the Lord who knows everything? So Pharaoh tells his dream to Joseph. He tells him the one about the zombie cows. I think that's a good way to remember it. And he tells him the one about the seven seven diseased heads of grain that ate up the seven good heads of grain. And the Lord gave Joseph the interpretation. He, He said, Pharaoh, it's like this. The two dreams represent the same message. The seven Good cows and the seven good heads of grain represent seven good years. There will be seven years of plenty and prosperity and there'll be more grain than ever before. These next seven years are going to be fantastic and prosperous. However, the seven bad cows and the seven bad heads of grain represent seven bad years after the seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of famine. So severe that the good years will be forgotten. And unless you do something about it, now Egypt will be destroyed. Here's what you need to do. You need to choose someone and appoint them to oversee this matter. Give them the ability to hire some workers and have them go out and collect one-fifth of the grain during the seven good years. Put that grain in reserve for the seven years of famine. That way, your people will not starve. So Pharaoh and all his advisors are incredibly impressed. They, they said, has anyone ever met somebody so obviously filled with the wisdom and the spirit of of God. So he does appoint a leader to oversee the effort to save Egypt. And do you know who he appoints? Yeah, the choice is obvious. He immediately appoints Joseph. He gives him royal clothing and royal jewelry. He gives him the chariot reserved for the second in command and determined that all Egypt should bow before Joseph. He takes off his own signet ring and puts it on Joseph, which was a symbol of authority. That means he can now dec- make decrees and legislation to do whatever needs to be done. And to commemorate the promotion, Pharaoh gives Joseph a new name. How would you like that? If you got a, a job somewhere and uh, they say, hey, congratulations, you've got the job now. Uh, by the way, this is what we're going to call you. Uh, your name is, I don't know, what's a, what's a cool name? I don't know. Your your name is Bubba now, because this is the South. We're calling you Bubba now. It's like, hi, hey, that's all right. I got a cousin named Bubba and an uncle named Bubba, too. I got a, a aunt named Bubba as well on the other side. No, I'm just kidding. Imagine, though, giving you a new name with a new It'd be weird. <laughs> so, y'all enjoyed that more than I thought you would. Thank you so much. That makes up for the fact you didn't laugh at some of my earlier stuff, which I thought was, frankly, better. But anyway, there's no accounting for taste, and that's why you're here. <laughs> he names him, get this, I should have put it up on the screen, Zaphnath Panea. Zaphnath Panea. That sounds like something you say when you hit your thumb with a hammer, you know. because <laughs> you don't want to cuss and, you know. It means Revealer of Mysteries. That That sounds way cooler. If y'all want to call me Revealer of Mysteries, I'd be better with that than zaphnath Panea. Uh, I don't think I'd live up to either name. The original name, Joseph, meant he will add. That is to say, the Lord will add another child. He was named, Joseph was named this by his father as a, as a prediction that the Lord would add another child to the family. So the name was tied to his family of origin. That's a little weird anyway to say, um, we're going to name you. I hope there's another baby coming. Would would you take that personally? I would probably take that personally. Say, hey, we're going to name this kid. We hope the next kid is better. (laughs) It doesn't make a lot of sense. That's not exactly how it worked out, but the name was very much tied to his family of origin. And who were the people who really kind of wrecked his life? It was his family of origin. His brothers were the ones who sold him into slavery. So um, the name Joseph ties back to, well, his connection with the family that caused him a lot of of pain. His old name was tied to his painful past and his struggle. And his new name, however bizarre, is tied to what God is doing in his life now and the future that is ahead of him. See, it's a, it's a new name for a new era, the name you put on something does make a difference. And let me tell you, God is working in your life right now. He's working in your life. You might not see that clearly until a new name gets put on some situations. So long as, as you are sure that some part of your life is still dragging you down, you won't be able to see what God's doing right now. You Get the, you need to put a new name on it. Every obstacle is an opportunity. Maybe, okay, get this. Maybe instead of saying this part of my life stinks, maybe we could say this part of my life is stretching me. It's stretching. You got some part of your life that is hard or bad or negative or, or that one part, if you could kind of set it over here, the rest of your life would be easier. That's probably the place where God's going to work can't guarantee that, but it's, that seems to be how it happens. That the part of your life that is stretching you, that is testing you, that you feel like might break you, that's the part that grows you. If you go down here to the wellness center and you start lifting weights, what's it going to make your muscles feel like? It's going to cause pain. It's going to stretch them. It's, it's going to bring them to the breaking point. My understanding of building muscles is the muscle fibers actually come apart and then they grow back together bigger and stronger it can work that way in our lives too, as God allows situations to stretch us. So Joseph, this whole years of being stretched, of being put through it, and now it has turned into strength. He has grown through it and things went just as Joseph predicted. There were seven good years of plenty of abundance. And during the good years, he oversaw the collection of the grain. They collected one fifth of the grain and, and they collected so much grain that they stopped counting. And the scriptures compare it to the amount of sand in the sea. That's a lot. And after the seven good years, there were seven bad years. And the famine was so severe that if, if they had not laid aside that stock, everybody would have starved and people came from all over to buy grain in Egypt, including, we will see, Joseph's own family. And we'll cover that a couple weeks from now. But uh, because they made preparations, Egypt was saved, and they were able to provide grain to other people, and, well, they made some profit along the way too. And Joseph became this great hero whose legacy lasted for hundreds of years. Now, what a great story, right? What a great story, going from the prison to the palace In one day, (laughs) I think we need to put another latch on that door. (laughs) We have a a kind of a safety door back here, okay, so nobody gets locked in. We have an escapee from the kids ministry. He's a cute little fellow there. Um, We uh, we love the idea of going from zero to hero. You could sing that song. Some of y'all could. Who watched that Hercules movie from the nineties? Going to zero to hero. We love that idea. We love the idea that God brings instant change and let me tell you god can bring instant change but most of the time instant change is not so instant i've heard it said that it takes 20 years of hard work to become an overnight success and that's not so far from it i, I know it it looks like joseph's story took a dramatic turn in a short amount of time but it really wasn't overnight He was 17 when God gave him that dream that he would be a leader. But he didn't go take a leadership position right away. He went into slavery. He was a slave for 11 years. And then he was a prisoner for another two years. He was 17 when God first gave him the vision, but it took him 13 years to grow into it. Please hear what I'm saying to you. God has dreams for you and for me that we're going to have to grow into. The good things God wants in your life will require you to grow in your faith and in your character. And if it took a Bible hero 13 years, it might take us a while, too. We, we should not think we can shortcut the work of God in our lives. I think back when I first started in ministry. And uh, I was 24 years old when I became a pastor, 24. That sounds like a baby to me now. Some of y'all are not 24 yet. Y'all are babies, babies, according to this old timer. And I think, man, I really I really thought I knew what I was doing, but God has had to do so much. I just don't know if I know what I'm doing now, but I look back and what God has done Over the last like 17 years, 17 years I've been doing this uh, regularly and God has changed so much in me and I pray he'll keep changing me. I don't know how many more years it'll take before I get it figured out, maybe to the end of my life. I just want to give God the glory that every day he works on us. Amen. Every day he's growing us in our faith or he he can be if we'll at all cooperate. He grows us in our faith and our character and makes us more ready for what is to come. Joseph was always destined for this, but it took a long time for him to grow into the person who could receive it. We see the evidence of his growth in a in a way that really was specific to that culture. Okay. Um, Pharaoh arranged a marriage for Joseph. He, he set him up with this very eligible bachelorette from a prominent family. And let's take a look at how Joseph and his wife named their kids, right? This is in uh, Genesis 41, verses 50 through 52. Now I'll ask you to pull that up on the screen. So it goes like this. And Joseph uh, and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of the famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh for God has made me forget all the toil of my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. In that culture, names were a powerful thing. Names told stories. Names were, in some cases, prophetic about the lives of the people or of their families. Joseph chose to name his firstborn son Manasseh. That's in verse 51. This means causing to forget. Causing to forget. And he explained this was his way of showing how he had finally gotten past the past. He had finally been able to let go of the pain that he experienced in his family of origin. He, he had spent all those years struggling to process the baggage of what people had done to him. And leverage that to become a better person. And he finally did. You and I have stuff that we carry around. You know, everybody's got some baggage. It would be so weird if we could visualize that. You know, like you're pulling a suitcase behind you. And everybody's got a little bit of something, you know, until you work through it and you may not have much left. But I've had some points in my life where I feel like I was pulling along several suitcases of stuff. And when we can ever work through that, Man, it's it's the difference between dragging something heavy and just walking freely. And he was finally able to walk free because he was able to work through his past. So he named his son Manasseh. In other words, he named him, I'm finally over it. I'm finally over it now. I've let it go now. I'm moving forward. That's huge evidence of growth. A lot of people never get that far. Most folks never get that far, but he did. And when his second son was born, verse 52, he named him Ephraim which means fruitful. He said God had taught him how to be fruitful, how to be prosperous even in the land of his affliction. This the, the names his son, he gave his sons reflect his growth as a person. He said, "Now I'm finally I'm finally at the place where I can I've let go of the hurt of the past and I'm living in gratitude in the present." Man, that's a powerful thing. I remember When I was a kid, I used to have these pains in my legs, and I did not like it, and I complained, and I cried. Mama, my legs hurt. And then my mom explained to me something that changed my whole attitude about my legs hurting. She said, Michael, those are just growing pains. Growing pains, that's what they are. You know that putting the new name on it changed my mind about it because, oh, hold on. I'm growing now. I'm growing. I like the idea of that. I'm not just hurting. This pain is actually doing something for me. Okay. It didn't hurt any less. Didn't hurt any less. But now I have a new name on it. It's not just pain. It's growing pain. And I like the sound of that. You see, you and I will be a lot better off in this crazy world if we can start seeing our pains as growing pains and our struggles as growing struggles, and our our problems as growing problems, one of the secrets of life is, is putting a new name on our struggle. See, in God's world, when we give it to the Lord, our pain is not pointless. Our pain produces growth. God's not the author of all our struggles. No, we make a lot of our own trouble, and the trouble we don't make, the world will find a way. But God is the redeemer of our struggles. Joseph's story story shows us that God takes some of the worst things, betrayal and pain, and he turns them to good. God is the champion of turning pain into power. You know what he did on the cross of Jesus Christ? When Jesus suffered and died on the cross in excruciating, humiliating torturous death, God took that pain and turned it into redemption, salvation for anybody who will believe on his name. See, Jesus changes names too. We remember how he changed Simon's name to Peter, right? But he changes our names too. He, he changes us from lost to found from orphan to son or daughter from drowning to saved from slave to King. That's what Jesus does for us. When you put a new name, he puts a new name on us. Did you know the scriptures tell us that God has a a new name written for every one of his children that nobody knows but him and us and someday we'll know it. That's in the book of Revelation. That's pretty cool stuff. I don't know. It's going to be fantastic. But right now today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Trust the Lord with your soul and your situation he can put a new name on you and he can put a new name on whatever you're going through let's go to the lord right now in prayer heavenly father i want to pray for all of us here today god first of all that if anybody has not been saved put their faith in jesus and saved that they would come to you lord right there where they're at in their seat or wherever they're listening to this message god i pray that they would call out to jesus and say lord i I confess my sins. I'm so sorry for the things I've done wrong. I believe that you're the son of God and I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, give me a new life so I can live it for you. Lord, I pray that everyone will take care of that business right away. And father, I pray for all of us that we will trust you with whatever we're going through whatever struggle, whatever challenge, whatever persistent problem, whatever pain, we give it to you, Lord, as the one who puts a new name on our pain. You call it growing pain. God, we give you the glory and we thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Just a reminder, we're at 5 p.m. for the evening service. I know some of y'all come to the evening service when you get the chance. That's 5 p.m. It's going to be nice and chilly tonight. So pray for that preacher out there being God's frozen chosen. And uh, But we're going to take the word of God to the whole world. God bless you guys. Thank you for all you do and how you love me and my family. Y'all have a great week.